Hi, this is Keith, and welcome to Klezmer Podcast 96 for November 29th, 2012. The website is klezmerpodcast.com, and you can write to me at keith at klezmerpodcast.com. I also invite you to like Klezmer Podcast on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and MySpace, and look for our monthly playlist on Spotify. You can also help support Klezmer Podcast by purchasing your music through the Klezmer Podcast Music Delicatessen Store. Simply go to klezmerpodcast.com, click on the tab Buy Your Music Here, and it'll take you directly to the Klezmer Podcast Music Delicatessen Store. My guest on this episode of the podcast is Hankus Netsky of the New England Conservatory and co-producer and musical director for the new album Eternal Echoes, Songs and Dances for the Soul by Itzhak Perlman and Cantor Yitzhak Meyer Helfgott. I met up with Hankus Netsky on the campus of New England Conservatory in Boston, and we recorded this interview on September 14, 2012. So here we go with Hankus Netsky. Hi, this is Keith in Boston, Massachusetts, at New England Conservatory, and we're visiting today with Hankus Netsky. Hankus, welcome once again to Klezmer Podcast. Hey, it's a pleasure. How, how do you get to all these exotic locations, Keith? I have an unlimited budget. I see. Well, I think that's great. I may, may all the musicians who listen to this also have an unlimited budget. <laughs> and a lot of points. Um, <laughs> Um, I'm here today, besides being completely coincidental, but um, I just got the new album, and I want to discuss that a little bit with you. Uh, tell me the name of the album and how you got to be involved with the project. The album you're talking about is Eternal Echoes, Songs and Dances for the Soul, and uh, the way Itzhak explains, it's with Itzhak Perlman and Itchimeyer Helfgott, um, and the uh, the way it's Itzhak explains how he got involved in the project is uh, he met Cantor Helfgott in Israel. He went to a concert. He heard him and immediately went up right after the concert and said, "We have to collaborate." And then went home and went called me and went, "Hankus, help!" <laughs> <laughs> uh, Itchy Meyer said yes. Cantor Helfgott said yes, and uh, Cantor Helfgott is uh, considered. A phenomenal cantor whose voice is is very much paralleled to the greatest cantors of all time. Uh, Yesel Rosenblatt, David Kusevitsky, uh, Marsha Kusevitsky, um, um, Quartin, you know, the, 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 the great cantors of the golden age of recording. Um, in particular, Mordechai Hirschman, I think, actually, the way he sounds. Um, the neat thing is, of course... Recording technology is better now. <laughs> so we actually get to hear his voice in all its glory instead of just hearing, you know, accounts of Gershon Sorota, you know, being heard around the block, you know, in, in Warsaw and, you know, all the opera singers coming to hear him. We, we actually get to hear this guy live and we get to hear recordings that actually capture uh, the magnificence of his voice. Um, and the way... Uh, Itzhak Perlman explains it is that he already recorded with Placido Domingo and he did a duet album with Pavarotti and this is the third singer who he needs to do a 
album with. So we did the album. Um, he was able to get Sony to agree to take this on as a project. And uh, given that, he needed arrangements. He needed someone to work with, basically, to put the album together. And I produced the album and I uh, did the arrangements uh, with the help of a couple other arrangers on just two songs. Uh, Jesse Gelber helped me with uh, Tal and Dmitry Slepovich helped me with Shayib Manabe Samingdash. Because you've worked with Perlman on other albums before, right? Yeah, I worked with him on two albums in the 1990s um, in the Fiddler's House and live in the Fiddler's House and was one of four producers on those uh, on those projects because I produced the uh, Klezmer Conservatory Band segment and the group segment. So I um, I was the one who who put together the big pieces with the with the um, all of the members of the four Klezmer ensembles. Uh, so uh, yeah, I was involved in touring with that project for. For three years in the 90s, and then recently we did a little more touring with uh, Fiddler's House in recent years, and then uh, this project came along, and very happy to be part of it. So Perlman seems to have uh, an interest in keeping the the Jewish music going himself, and and it seems like he's actively uh, promoting the Jewish music in addition to all the other standard classical stuff that he does. He has a very, very deep passion for Jewish music, always has. Um, he's only really let it come out in the last, I'd say, you know, 18 years um, um, in terms of really playing. Well, that's not true, actually. He made a record called Tradition in the 1980s, uh, early 1980s, and uh, uh, with Dove Seltzer in Israel. And... Uh, that was really his homage to the Jewish music he grew up with, and he thought that was going to be it. Um, but it was really interesting, actually, because I think he approached that album as a classical violinist and approached the arrangements that way. Um, and I think that he really changed in the 1990s when he realized that there were other approaches to playing the violin that were even more suitable. Now, he might disagree with that, actually. I don't really know, I mean, how he sees, how he plays on tradition compared to how he plays on this record, but I think he plays differently. I think he really, um, in the process of working with the Klezmer bands in the 1990s, the coaching he got from people like Michael Alpert um, and Alicia Svegels and uh, various other people on that project, um, I think gave him other options in his playing that, that are all over the place on these on these recordings. So I'm trying to think, and I, I could be wrong, but didn't he work also on Schindler's List? Well, Schindler's List is, is a magnificent record, and uh, he's, of course, very much featured on Schindler's List. Um, and I think John Williams, in writing music for Schindler's List, was looking for that deep tone. You know, the thing about Perlman that uh, everybody uh, notices is the sound. Um, And one could say that there's something in that sound that is innately coming from the idea of a cantorial voice. Um, Certainly can make that argument. 
Um, I just think that that technically he's going beyond that. It's really it was really kind of interesting uh, with this record. If you listen to a doodle, like right away you hear the beginning of the the piece and you hear that violin come in and you feel like you're listening to Schindler's List. <laughs> it does have that quality. Yeah, yeah certainly. That's right, that's right. Um, and I noticed also listening to the album that he uh, Perlman doesn't really. Uh, compete with with the voice on it too much he he really does more of an accompaniment type of thing they don't even really trade off uh, melody together too much they they do it as much as i thought they should (laughs) (laughs) i mean (laughs) i was given a lot of a lot of uh, artistic freedom on this record i i think i'm marveling at that at the moment i mean uh, quite honestly i mean you know, you do a record for Sony and they give you complete artistic license. That is amazing to me. I, I, I just can't I can't get over it. Um, David Lai, who was the Sony producer on the record, was just fantastic. I mean, every aspect of what I wanted, uh, he let me do. And uh, I got to pick the engineer. I got to pass the, pick the mastering engineer. I got to pick the studio. Um, it just it just was a was a wonderful wonderful experience for for all of us, um, and I think that it paid off because I think what we get is a product that is totally an artistic vision. You know, it's not in any way a commercial product, um, and it's Sony Masterworks, and that is appropriate that it would be uh, really really an artistic uh, artistic project, but. Um, I don't know. I mean, I had a lot of license in terms of how much of one thing or another. And, you know, it seemed to me that uh, we do, for example, we do Yismichu. And uh, at the beginning of Yismichu, they, get, they trade off. And, and Perlman, you know, he says, of course, that's one of his favorite things is hear a voice, trade off, hear a voice, trade off. They trade off in Ritzay also. They trade off in Sheyibunabesa Migdash. Um, they trade off in Tal quite a bit. And in fact, the original recording of Tal, the original arrangement by Nat Shilkrit, who who is my favorite unsung hero of American music um, that he did for Rosenblatt, is all about trading off voice and instruments. Um, So um, I think there's a fair amount of that on there. Uh, there are songs where he does have an accompaniment role, uh, namely uh, Mizmor uh, Ladovid by Benson Shanker is really one where he really is playing kind of a violin obligato along with uh, with the vocal. And, you know, that just seems right. Um, but, again, we got to do whatever we wanted. I mean, Kol Nidre, you know, um, Itchy Meyer sings it and Itzhak plays it. And uh, it's, it's almost even between the two of them as far as who's featured there. But, you know, it was interesting. We were playing it in the studio. I didn't write anything out for him uh, when, when Ichimaru was singing. He just improvised it. Really? Completely. Completely. Um, and, and every track had different things on it. So um, you can't underestimate, uh, you know, the, I mean, the, the possibilities when you're working with an artist of that caliber. Yeah, as I, I didn't realize he was um, such an uh, improviser. I thought he, he, you know, had everything uh, orchestrated for him. It, I, I don't even remember what you know. I'll listen to the, <laughs> listen to the recording and look at the score and like, <laughs> huh? You know, I mean, no, because you know, uh, for example, when you get into the world of of of, of um, Cantor's doing you know melismatic music where there's 
lots of possibilities to embellish. The embellishment's all coming from the feeling. In fact, I mean, Shimar said this recently in an interview that, that, you know, somebody said, what's the difference between coloratura for an opera singer and coloratura for a cantor? And he said, well, for an opera singer, it's written out. For a cantor, they improvise it. <laughs> and you just don't know what's going to happen. It all depends how you feel. And uh, funny, you know, um, so I was doing another interview. You learn a lot when you go around, you have a pro- project like this, and you meet these people. This... Uh, uh, I, I was doing doing something with um, with, a, with with a, with a fellow named um, um, uh, what is his first name? Uh, I know his last name is Jacobs, and he works at, at at WGBH. And he's a he's he's a very very knowledgeable musician. And he was telling me that in fact the origin of opera first operas are by Monteverdi. Monteverdi's first star in his first opera was Salomone Rossi's sister. <laughs> Salomone Rossi was the great Jewish music <laughs> composer of Italy of that time who wrote for all the great cantors, and he himself had, was from that tradition. And, and you know, the, the, uh, so, so, uh, so Mr. Jacobs was, was thinking, perhaps, you know, this entire idea of coloratura comes from cantorial music. Um, anyhow, so it's, it's, it's fascinating. Anyhow, the, the, there's, there's improvisation on the record. There's a lot of written music on the record. There's a lot of interplay between Helfgott and Perlman on the record. And I think all these things are there. It's just a matter of, you know, everything can't be the same. It can't all be that he sings a line, it's like plays a line. Right. You yeah. know, you, you, it's some, sometimes they're just playing together. Sometimes there's harmonies. Sometimes it's just the violin. When we go into the sort of klezmer realm, finally in a doodle, it's like takes over. So, how did you decide on the repertoire for this? Because you must have started with hundreds of tunes and whittled it down to the ten that are on the album. Well, we all have our repertoire. So, Cantor Helfgott has his repertoire. Perlman has his repertoire. I have my repertoire, and um, ultimately, it was Itzhak's decision. And um, yes, hundreds of tunes, absolutely. And we sat and listened. And and the nice thing about Itzhak is, no, no, no. <laughs> it could happen very quickly, you know, if it's if it's something he does because he can tell right away. Right. Um, the other thing that's nice is he, um, unlike the Klezmer project, which was guided by each of us bringing Itzhak Klezmer and Yiddish recordings, which he could tell us whether he liked or didn't like, but he wasn't familiar with them before the recording. Here he was familiar with pretty much everything. And so, um, you know, he did grow up listening to cantorial music. He is a total... um, you know, total like YouTube junkie. You know, he's always looking for things on YouTube uh, that are that are interesting Jewish things, and cantorial stuff is all over there. And he loves to do that. So I would go to his house, and he'd say, "Have you seen this and this and this and this?" And we'd show each other YouTube clips and um, narrowed it down to this. You know, and basically he narrowed it down to this. I mean, I would always give him a bunch of options, but he'd say, "Well, we got to do this, 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 this." And I think that that artistic ownership that he has on this record is really key to why it's so great. And it's stuff that he has not recorded previously, right? It's not like something that was on the tradition or, or the Fiddler House. No, it do, uh, he definitely recorded a doodle on the tradition okay. album because I listened to that when I wrote the arrangement. 
And Dub Seltzer did some very clever things on that. I, I actually was really, really impressed with that arrangement. But I, I, you know, I used little bits of things that I was inspired by there. But I, I think that's actually a, a, a kind of a masterpiece of an arrangement on that tradition record. And I, I got to mention the engineering and the, the sonics on this thing because when I when I played it through my big stereo, I was completely blown away with the with the quality uh, and the nuance of that recording. Well, again, I mean, I've worked twice before with Antonio Oliart Ross, who was the engineer on this recording. He was both the recording engineer and the mixing engineer, and uh, he also was a neighbor of mine, which is great. So. Uh, I was so happy that Sony let me bring him down to New York to make the record. Um, we brought it up here and we mixed it. We could do it, you know, if we felt like it, we could do it at 10 o'clock at night, you know, some nights, and we could do it at 7 in the morning if we felt like it. I mean, uh, it was wonderful. We did it in his basement studio, um, and he's a great engineer, and I'm, I'm hoping this will bring him into the national spotlight because... Um, he's, you know, he did my Taste of Passover recording for Rounder and my Taste of Hanukkah record for Rounder, and uh, uh, just did a fantastic job. He did Jim Gutman's Best Arabian Break- Breakdown. I mean, most people know him from these. If you know him at all, it's from those projects. He also, of course, um, broadcasts all of the large performances that are done at WGBH, and a lot of those are national, uh, perfor- nationally broadcast performances. He goes with them to. Uh, to all kinds of festivals, and does a lot of jazz festivals, does the Newport broadcast. So, I mean, he's, he's a great, great engineer. And uh, I was so happy to work with him on this project. Great. So um, if people want to find the album, find more information about it, uh, where can they turn to to, to uh, get the information or, or get all the tracks, get the CD? Well, it's Sony, uh, so it's not too hard to find. <laughs> and uh, I'm assuming it's in stores. Uh, the nice thing is Sony put it out with uh, Sony as a distributor and Sameach as a distributor. So if you're looking at Jewish sources, uh, Sameach has it. Uh, Sameach, I heard last Sunday, was needing many, many more copies because there's a huge demand for this record. Um, and the nice thing is that the liner notes are in Hebrew and English, and Yiddish, and a little bit of Aramaic. <laughs> um, and um, so it's, uh, I'm sure, catching on very quickly in Israel. Um, and uh, in addition to the usual, you know, uh, Sameach outlets in, say, you know, Brooklyn and L.A. So, okay, well, thanks for spending a few minutes with me uh, again, Hankus, as always. And a pleasure to talk to you. And uh, continued good luck with the album and, and your future projects. Thank you so much, Keith. Great to see you.
Shalem Aleichem, das ist Eleonore Bisunski von Spielkäst in Paris. Uh, ihr Herz zu klesmerpodcast.com All right, I'm back. That was my interview with Hank Isnetsky, and we heard two excerpts from the album Eternal Echoes, Songs and Dances for the Soul by Yitzhak Perlman and Cantor Yitzhak Meyer Helfgott. Again, the website is klesmerpodcast.com, and if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or if you have a band that would like to appear on the podcast or have your music played, or if you have a recent or soon-to-be-released album you'd like me to review, please write to me at keith at klesmerpodcast.com. So that's about it for Klesmer Podcast 96. Thanks for listening. Please stay subscribed. Tell your friends. And until next time, bye for now. <laughs>